Have you ever heard of neuromusculoskeletal medicine? And what would your reaction be if your primary care physician recommended a referral to a specialist with training in that particular modality? To help us both understand that better, my guest today is Dr. James Sullivan, D.O., a family medicine and neuromusculoskeletal medicine boarded physician. This is Your Wellness Solution, a podcast by Solution Health. I'm Evo Terra. Dr. Sullivan, could you please explain the difference between chiropractic medicine and musculoskeletal manipulation? Musculoskeletal manipulation, first off, is a treatment modality that is administered by a physician, and it does so with regard to all of the soft tissues, the fascia, the cranial mechanism, and we have the ability to investigate further, prescribe pharmaceuticals if need be, use injections, basically a full doctor. And what types of ailments and or pain would you treat? Yeah, that's probably too long of a list for this broadcast. <laughs> um, but it, I, I could tell you if there's a patent joint, any place two muscles meet that are buttered up with cartilage, where muscles attach to it, I can work there. Okay, got it. So when patients are seeking out treatment, when would they know that musculoskeletal manipulation is something that might be a, a good option for them? It's something of a, an ambiguous question because, honestly, I don't even know until I've examined somebody. It, it's definitely a conversation to have with their physician. I'm very open to uh, taking calls and messages from other physicians, and I've done so often. But I've been a little bit surprised by what patients really don't share with their primary care physician. In my opinion, I shouldn't be the first to hear about anything. I foster having a patient having a good relationship with their primary care doctor so that they should definitely be involved in that decision-making process. But as far as my role in things, sometimes neuromusculoskeletal medicine and osteopathic manipulation are an adjunct that can improve patient outcomes. You know, sometimes it takes center stage and I'm good with either. So I think if I hear you correctly in this, it's speak with your primary care physician first, and they may suggest to you that musculoskeletal manipulation might be a good course of treatment. Do I have that right? Yes. Okay, great. So let's say that I've done that. Walk through a little role playing here for if, if my primary care physician says, yes, you should go see Dr. Sullivan or my local Dr. Sullivan, as it might be. What can I expect? What's a typical visit with a doctor like yourself? The initial visit is typically going over a lot of history, a robust trauma history, not just that you were in a car accident in 1989 per se, but what side were you hit on? How fast were they going? Because it's important in some instances, to understand the full breadth of what happened to the body, to understand how it dealt with it and what I may be dealing with, looking at it from my end, examining all the relevant imaging and things to go along with a problem, a very thorough physical exam, looking at usually, you can never say always or never in medicine, but usually um, investigating for any kind of nerve impingement to begin with and then um, screening for any honest-to-goodness orthopedic injury or frank injury that may be involved. And only then can I really judge what should be done next. That is, if I can employ osteopathic manipulation or if I need to do further imaging, if I think there's a frank injury 
what steps should we take there? Does it require a referral to see someone else? Can I do something about it in my office? All these things come into consideration the first time that I see someone. The fact that in my practice, mm-hmm. I, I have the ability to do anything a physician may do, but the chief reason that people come to see me, that people seek me out, typically is for my skill with my hands and my expertise in manual manipulation. So manual manipulation, if it is safe to do, it has the ability to restore any joint to its normal resting position as its physiologic resting position and undo any uh, muscular compensation that may be affecting it to essentially short circuit the body's spasm response. That can be used not only as a treatment, but also as a diagnostic. The diagnostic value is not to be understated. Hmm. If I can remove somebody's compensation and they still have pain, or Lord forbid pain gets worse, then that may be cause to investigate further. That may be evidence the body is, in fact, guarding against some type of a soft tissue injury. And, and oftentimes we go down a route of investigating following that. It's essentially what somebody can expect on, on their first visit is a very long talk and a very thorough physical. Sure. Um, and perhaps a test treatment if it's appropriate to do so. And when you are doing a, a treatment, again, you're calling it manual manipulation, if in fact it is appropriate to do so uh, for the, the secondary visit or perhaps beyond that. I, I guess the first question I have for it is when you're doing this manual manipulation, um, is that something that well, I'm just going to ask it. Does it hurt? I have to say, yes, my hands ache sometimes at the end of the day, <laughs> but only if I've been doing yard work recently. <laughs> no, normally there's there's no pain involved, maybe a slight bit of discomfort, but I always warn patients going forward from that first visit that they're not allowed to sing my praises or curse my name for four full days uh, because things will be in flux. Their body is going to be trying to readjust its normal resting tone to hang on to normal. And it's not going to be whatever it's going to be for four full days. That's part of the body's process. I, these timelines aren't really arbitrary. That's something that we've come to note. So we should not expect immediate results from something. It takes a few days, as you say, to really notice the effects. Some immediate results. But yes, it, it really does. It's something that comes to fruition over the course of days. You said some immediate results. What sort of immediate results might be experienced? I've had patients report right off the bat that, wow, this seems less severe or it doesn't hurt when I bend this way anymore. Mm. And you know, that's just the start. But at the same time, some patients will leave the office feeling great. And they'll tell me when I see them again, oh my God, the next day I could barely move. And then, oh, then, but the day after that, it was much better. And I don't know what in the world happened. But it's all kind of part of the process. Sure. So if someone is having a conversation with their primary care doctor and the primary care physician says, maybe we need to refer you out to a musculoskeletal specialist like yourself, when is the right time for someone to have that conversation with their doctor? Does the doctor bring it up? Does the patient bring it up? Who's responsible here? It really can be a conversation that's initiated by by either party. Certainly, and I remember from my days as a primary care physician, Sometimes I was teaching patients and sometimes I was learning from them. So if it's something that your doctor's never heard of and, and that you're interested in, bring it up. Let them do the research. Let, obviously, let them be the steward of your health care 
and decide if that is what's best and right. But it's a two-way conversation. Sure. So I, I'm trying to think back in the number of times I visited my various primary care physicians over the last 52 years. I think I've been referred out to see a chiropractor once or twice, but I don't think at any time has a doctor suggested I go see someone that is a specialist in neuromusculoskeletal medicine, or, or maybe they were, which is a different terminology now. But what's, what's been your experience? Is, is this thing, is something new? The specialty of neuromusculoskeletal medicine was something that was really um, founded around 1995. Mm. And it was, so DOs have learned manual manipulation for as long as DOs have been around. It was the cornerstone of their practice. And so that's about 130 odd years. But the specialty of neuromusculoskeletal medicine was put out there, an idea to found a specialty to set apart those that are expert at manual manipulation, not just a DO specialty. If any DO of any specialty can do manual manipulation, they have the right to practice it if they feel competent in doing so. So that specialty of neuromusculoskeletal medicine was put out there to help to distinguish those DOs who are expert in manual manipulation and also impart them with a hybrid knowledge base. So we learned the clinical knowledge base of a sports medicine physician. We learned the clinical knowledge base of a, an orthopedist. And, and we learned a piece of the clinical knowledge base of neurosurgeons so that we can identify those things that we will eventually come across. And it, it is an eventuality that you'll come across something that needs to see them. Uh, and that way we can get the patient to all the people that they need to see. Sounds like quite the blending of different modalities together. Yes, and I really found that in, in most health systems and in the healthcare field, it really is the missing piece of the puzzle for things that just extremes of back pain that you really don't see anything on an MRI and they don't know what to do with it. Let's say it's musculoskeletal. Take ibuprofen, take muscle relaxers, and then and, and go rest in bed. If it's musculoskeletal, it belongs to me. And it makes me wish that the, the neuromusculoskeletal medicine specialty wasn't such a rare commodity to come across, because it does seem to be. Why do you think that is? Why do you think the specialty is so rare? It goes all the way back to osteopathic medical school. Every last student in osteopathic medical school has to learn manual manipulation, has to learn the basics, how to feel if something is off, and four basic techniques that are the tenets of what we're tested on in order to graduate. Many of us don't come to utilize it within the scope of our practice. Uh, many of us will never see it again after medical school. And there's a percentage of a medical school class, really. I, I graduated in a class of 150. Out of 150 of us, there were maybe 10 that were any good at all with their hands. Hmm. And out of that 10, maybe three of us went on into a specialty that utilizes that in an expert manner. And, and I'm, I'm speaking of neuromusculoskeletal medicine and some physiatry programs also foster that osteopathic component as a feature of that program. It's a little bit of a self-selecting bias. You must have the interest. You must have the skill. And there has to be a program out there that, that will accept people and that's the other side of things. Out of as many hopefuls that approach these 
fellowship programs to learn neuromusculoskeletal medicine, it's a pretty tough selection process. It's not a guarantee. And then you go to the boarding process, the actual testing of people that have completed a board accredited program. It is a fact that about 50% of those tested will fail one or more parts of the board. 50%. That is holding a high standard. Definitely so. Well, Dr. Sullivan, this has been quite the fascinating conversation. Thank you for your time. You're welcome. Anytime. Again, that was Dr. James Sullivan, DO, a family medicine and neuromusculoskeletal medicine boarded physician. To learn more about neuromusculoskeletal medicine and other innovative models of care, please visit solutionhealth.org. This is the Solution Health Podcast from Solution Health. Thanks for listening. I am Evo Terra. 